Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast, episode 36. It's the Bruins Offseason Outlook with Maddie and Smitty brought to you on our new home, the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL news, insight, and analysis. Follow them on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rank and download the Inside the Rink app to get everything on the website right on your phone. And now Smitty has a quick word from our new show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up at BetUS.com with the promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, that is BETUS.com. And use the promo code RINK for your sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. BetUS. Dot com. I wonder what the line was for the Lightning, because I'm sure early on they weren't one of the favorites. But now here we are again. Could be third time in a row. Yeah, it's Lightning. it seems like they just flipped a switch and were like, play some hockey now. Yeah, uh, Vasilevsky in closeout games is just basically untouchable. He's the best goaltender on the planet, and he's proving it again. And uh, they are going to be a very tough out um in this postseason although i think the bruins matched up pretty well with them this I year. i did too i did too and it sounds ridiculous now because they're on a roll you know right. probably to another cup final anyway yeah and it seems ridiculous to say but i still think it's a better matchup than carolina was i agree they, they played them better during the year they also had a little out of they would have had a little out of motivation too you mm-hmm. know try to knock them off and tampa bay beat them in the bubble and all that too so there was some was some history there and i really think so too and it again people will probably laugh at at us but i really think it's it's that's the case before yeah Yeah, it's been right and it'll be (laughs) people laugh at us before yeah now we have social media so more people now there's a bigger pool of people who will laugh at us so that's great um yeah so you know who, who knows i think you know the lightning i'm not sure that carolina now struggling haven't won a a a road game in the playoffs um so as good as they are, I think that Tampa, like I said, Vasilevsky, you know, I was looking at this cap situation. Their bottom six, no one makes two million bucks. Not a soul. Well, they can't they can't do that because they everybody else makes more than the cap. Like right. the top the top like the top yeah, line makes like eight, a million and a half over million. right now. Yeah. They're a million yeah. and a half over. But their top line makes eight and nine, like everybody. Yeah. So but they're getting good players like Corey Perry makes a million mm-hmm. and Maroon makes a million something like they're getting good Maroon's players to take. Huh? Maroon's yeah. a stiff. He is. Yeah. 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 I mean, he is, but you know, Jesus, this could be his fourth cup. Yeah. So he's a uh, fat ant load. Who's lucky is what he is. Yeah. He's, he Patrick is lucky Brown. and they, th- they roll them out there on the fourth line. They do. Um, so anyway, the Bruins head into the off season with some question marks. Patrice Bergeron still up in the air. What his status is. Uh, Bruce Cassidy's status, you would think that he would be staying, but you never know. And, uh, of course, as the assistant coaches, you know, they, will they change some assistant coaches? And then to need the need to make improvements to a roster with $4.3 million in cap space. I wanted to give you three scenarios on Bergeron mm-hmm. and see 
and, and have you tell me what is the best case scenario or maybe the most likely scenario. First scenario for me would be Bergeron comes back one year and, you know, a typical five million, six million a year, whatever it is, the going mm-hmm. rate mm-hmm. Um, and then plays the one more year. Second scenario would you even consider. And I think this is very unlikely, but what do you consider doing a Mark Giordano type of deal where it's one million, one year, one million with the assurance that the team will try their best to spend the money to improve the roster for one more crack at it. And then the third scenario would be he retires. What is the best scenario for the Bruins? Oh, it's easily number two. Right. Easily. Number two. Right. Number two. And and I I agree with you. I think that's probably unlikely. I think he he would be willing to give them a discount. Uh, I don't think it's going to be to that extent, you know, and it's not going to be a Tuka Rass discount. It's not going right. to be a million, you know, Giordano, like you said. I think it's going to be more in the long the lines of four to five million for a year if he decides right. to come back. Uh, I don't think I don't think he'll go the full, you know, six and change or whatever he was making now. Um, but I, I do think you know he's gonna he's gonna want more than than a million dollars. So. Um, you know, to make it worth his while to come back, even though, you know, cause he, he does have a cup already. I mean, you'd like to get another one, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but he does already have one. So it's not like he's, he's chasing, right. he's done really everything that you could possibly do in the right. game. Um, so uh, I think it needs to be worth his while to come back and, and I would love to see him take a little bit less and, and allow the Bruins to go out and, and make some, make some moves. Because uh, they don't have a lot of cap space. Here's the other thing. I'm going to make this argument. I make the argument that it's possible that it's not a great scenario for him to come back at, say, $5 million, $6 million bucks for them. I almost feel like, and I've been thinking about this like every day, I almost feel like, I, I hate to say better off that he just retires, but I think I'd rather him either retire or take a discount. I don't know if coming back at five or six million when you're in the cap issue that you are and you need the improvements that you need to make. I don't think you can improve the team enough for one last shot with him if he takes like regular money that a top center, you know, five, six million or whatever it is. I think I almost think is it is it is it better off for the team if he would just retire in that way so that they can say, okay, we don't have to pay him. And now we can trade to Brusk and Riley, maybe for picks and prospects, and then we can find ten, eleven million dollars to go ahead and really make some changes to the roster. Yeah, I mean that's probably. I mean that it, it's definitely a, a way you could go. It's definitely an avenue that they should think about. Um, you know, they aren't in great shape with the cap. You know, they've spent some money on some bottom six guys that didn't produce and. Uh, it's certainly hurting them now. I mean, it's obvious that the 3.8 that they spent on Felino, they could certainly use, you know, 2.8 of that somewhere else. Um, sure. So I think Bergeron coming back at short money would, would be the best case scenario, especially, you know, certainly for the Bruins, but I, you know, maybe for Patrice too. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't think it's probably going to happen. Do you think Sweeney sits if Bergeron wants to come back? Do you think I I can picture Sweeney saying, "Look, Patrice, we love you, but we have to do it at this number, and we can't. We or we have to move on." 
Do you, do you think he has that conversation? I think he might. Yeah. Rather than like giving him whatever he wanted kind of thing. I could see him doing that. I mean, he, he's he's done a pretty good job or a very good job right. of signing, um, you know, the core players for undermarket deals. Yes. Right. You know, so Pasternak signed an undermarket deal. Marshan did. You know, yeah. Mac voice is, you know, expensive, but it's certainly by the time, you know, he gets into the middle of that, it's going to be an undermarket deal because right. Right. the cap's going to go up. And, and Lindholm will. Yeah. Yeah. Lindholm's an undermarket deal. Like Coil at the time was, you know, it seemed expensive, but, uh, you know, it, that's that was a pretty good deal. Uh, Hall was a pretty good deal. You know, those are all pretty good deals. Right. So, He's he's not bad at that, so I I do think that that would be something that he might you know bring up with Patrice and say, look, you know, we need you at this number. You know, can you do it? Can you not do it? Right. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see how yeah. it goes. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And hopefully, like you said earlier about Bergeron last episode, I think it was that you thought that Bergeron would make a, a decision sooner than later. I'm just hoping that some decision somewhere is made sooner or later because you still have Don Sweeney with no contract. As far as we know, you still have Bruce Cassidy. What are they going to do with him and assistant coaches? Um, you know, so I don't, I don't know exactly what's what's happening there. Cam Neely said it'll be done in short order, and here we are, a week later, we have really no update. So hopefully things start to move pretty soon. All right, Seven Chirps time, sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week, and you can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com and follow them on social media at Lops Brewing for new beers and events. Chirp number one, why doesn't Cam Neely seem to get as much heat as Don Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy? So there's a couple of reasons. Okay. Uh, number one is because he's Cam Neely, and right. he's an icon, uh, a Boston icon, one of the most popular Bruins of all time. Mm-hmm. Like if all you, time. if you right. of all time, Bruins of all time. Like if you said, "Who's your favorite Bruin?" You know, a large portion, of especially the, in our generation, yeah, yeah would say Cam Neely. Yes. You know, it's Cam Neely. It's Ray Bork. It's you right. know, maybe Rick Middleton, but Cam Neely, Ray Bork, Bobby Orr. I mean, those are the, those, are the, I mean, Bobby or probably for most of the older gener- generation, then you, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some of those other guys, Derek Sanderson what had, was, you know, had a big personality. So maybe some right. of those, guys. but Cam Neely is one of the most popular Bruins of all time. So that's number yeah. one. Right. Um, nobody wants to criticize a guy that they love. Right. Sure. Um, and then number two is cause he doesn't really make the day to day decisions. He right. hired Sweeney and then now it's not on him. Now it's Sweeney's right. decisions. It's not his decisions. Right. So, uh, or, you know, and then Cassidy makes the day-to-day coaching decisions. So he's kind of insulated from the general manager and the coaching decisions. So uh, even though I think he's involved in some of that stuff, especially with Sweeney in right. the front office and and making some of those decisions about, you know, player acquisition and, and drafting and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he's kind of insulated from it. So he doesn't get the, he doesn't get the criticism that he probably deserves in, in some of those, you know, in some of those cases. You know, Don Sweeney was actually hired, joined the organization before Cam Neely. He was a director of player development in 06, right before Sinden left. And then Shirelli was a GM and he became assistant GM shortly after that. And that's when 
when Cam Neely was brought on as vice president and almost given, it almost looks like when you read about it, I read about it the other day, looks like almost like a prove it to me kind of you're the vice president until you can be the president kind of thing. And then three years later in 2010, he becomes president and then immediately they win the next year. Um, so that's also something that I guess helped yeah. Neely, but it is hard to separate the player from the executive because like you say, you know, it's funny. The team doesn't really play the way Bruins fans would love them to play. No. Cam Neely was the prime example of the way you play. So I think that's part of it, too. Like, not only was he beloved, but he play, he's a product of what the Bruins should be in Bruins fans' minds. Oh, yeah. He plays exactly so like Bruins exactly fans want yeah. to play. They Down want to out. On score goals, yeah. <laughs> right. kill people, right. fight people. Right. Be, you know, blood and guts, do everything well, win, Hall of Famer, you know, tries your best, come back from injury, 50 goals of 44 games, like everything you could possibly want in a Bruin. Like, I loved him. We were at Cam Neely night together. Like, we, were. we yeah. loved the damn guy. Love guy. Still do. Right. But uh, some of his, <laughs> some of those front office decisions, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of. No, no, and no, and I'm not either. And, there, I still think there's a disconnect there between Neely and Sweeney at, at some point because Sweeney, I think, wants the Bruins to play a more modern style and is trying to do that. But every year, it seems, we're going to go get a guy who thumps and bumps and tries to play heavy. And that seems to be like Neely sort of not being able to let that go. Like he, he even said it in the, you know, the you know, we have to get between the dots and all that stuff. But he is that type of player. He's more grinder, power forward, like hit people, play that style. And I think Sweeney and him have a little disconnect there and how they should play. And I think every once in a while, Neely will say, look, go get a guy and to hit and they'll get Nick Ritchie or they'll get somebody else, you know, to that, Nick Foligno, you know, and those seems to be Neely type of guys. Yeah. And it, there seems to be a disconnect there. And I, I don't think it's a huge problem, but I think that there's still a difference of philosophy there somewhat between the two of them. Um, all right. Chart number two. Do you feel worse about the first round loss now that the Panthers were swept in the uh, playoffs? Well, I, uh, it really wouldn't have affected the Bruins because they would have had to go through either uh, Pittsburgh or the Rangers, right. you know, so um, until they got to the, you know, conference finals. So uh, right. I guess it wouldn't have affected them all that much. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I thought going into it that Carolina was the worst team matchup-wise in the entire Eastern Conference for the Bruins in the playoff. Right. And um, I thought they matched up better with every other team except for Carolina. And I thought if they somehow could get by Carolina that they would make a deep run. Mm-hmm. So yeah, seeing Florida go out... Um, Certainly doesn't make me happy because no. because I no. I feel like it it was open for them if they somehow could have found a way to get by uh, the Hurricanes. Yeah, I mean we talked about the path and how it was fortuitous in 2019, and it would have been if the Bruins had gone a different direction. I don't remember that last game of the regular season. If they won that, they would have been different. It would have been different, or no? Was that? No, I don't think so. I don't think everything fell right, so I don't think no, it mattered. Right? It didn't. It didn't because Tampa. I think Tampa was like three points up when they were going. Right. Okay. So I, so yeah, I mean, I, I thought they were a better matchup than Tampa. 
uh, with Tampa than than with you know, with Carolina and with Florida. I mean, I thought Tampa was a pretty good matchup for them, and I think they would have beaten the Rangers. I mean, I don't care what anybody says; they would have beaten the Rangers. They've had success in the past against them in the playoffs, and I just think they would have beaten them. Um, and then it would have gone to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then we're probably not talking about you know, all of these changes that need to be made. And maybe we're just talking about a tweak or two and begging Patrice Bergeron to come back. Maybe that changes his mind if they get to the Eastern Conference Final or if they get to the Stanley Cup Final and they don't make it. Maybe he gets pushed, to, you know, for one more year. Who knows? I mean, who, who knows? Um, all right, chart number three, if Carolina wins the East, does that mean the Bruins were better than we think? Yeah, I mean, if... I mean, I guess the Rangers tied it up two two, so yeah. that's. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. I, I I still think the Bruins had holes, but maybe maybe it was not that the Bruins were better than we thought. Maybe it's Carolina is not as good as we thought. Right. True. Maybe maybe, maybe it's that. Which maybe, means that you know, maybe the Bruins aren't. I mean, or just what we thought they were. Or, right. Maybe the Bruins are more like what we thought they were, right. and Carolina really wasn't as good as they've shown all year because you know they're kind of built for you know they're a grinded out team but they're not a super physical team like their they're defense not, is they're physical, really physical. Right. you know they got a bunch of puck moving guys they they get pucks to the net um you know they have you know a good amount of skill like they're a deep team they have good skill yeah. you know and right. and they when they can get their matchups which seems to be the case they're tough to play against when they can put the Jordan stall line against the other team's top lines, you know, it works out for them. But when mm -hmm. you can get your line away from that line, you know, it, it seems to cause some problems for them. Uh, their defense down low in their own end isn't great. Tony D'Angelo is a little guy. He sucks in his own end, right. um, but he's dynamic on the power play and he's dynamic, you know, moving the puck. But um, you know, they just, they just, I, I'm not sure they have the um, physicality maybe that they that they need in a playoff, kind of similar to what the Bruins, you know, yeah. what the Bruins are. And they and they've struggled in the road because of the matchups and also right. penalties will distort. You know, the Bruins were aided by penalties and power plays and were able to get some power play goals at home. That helps too. Didn't seem to get the same calls on the road, and that's you know that's not a. I'm not going to get into this debate about how bad the fishing was. I'm just saying that it didn't get as many as they did in, at home. So that helped too. And I think you just have to look at the team and say, okay, what are the, what are the needs? And a need is center. And a need is probably another top six wing. If, if DeBrusque is gone. Um, and those are two, probably the two big and probably a right, right D that's, you know, a steady right D. Those are probably the three. And I think you have to just look at the team and say, okay, those are what's needed regardless of what you thought might have happened if they played this team or that. Um, all right, chart number four, if the Bruins are in are indeed in the market for a top six center, who do you like? Well, so I, I read an article, I think it was by the hockey writers, that um, had put out a couple, uh, three um, possible options for the Bruins at, at center. And I like all three of them. I think, honestly, I think all three are going to resign with the teams they were on, but, uh, and, and, uh, but I, I like them. So number one was Malkin who, um, you know, a little injury prone at this point in his career, but I would take him in a, in a heartbeat 
because I he would he would fill uh, a need, especially if Bergeron comes back. You put him between Hall and Pasternak. I mean, that's fucking dynamic. It is that's probably the best second line in the league. Right. Um, uh, the other one was Claude Giroux, who's another guy who I think could plug in quite nicely um, on either the Bruins' top two lines. Uh, also up there in age a little bit, but uh, he's produced with Florida. He produces with Philadelphia, who, who you know. He, they he, they didn't really have anything around him, and he was still um, producing for them. Sure. Uh, and then the the last one is Vinny Trocheck, who I can't stand right now because he's on the Hurricanes and he's kind right. of fast and he's he's a little bit in your face. But man, he plays a good two hundred foot game, uh, and he produces. And I think he's a little younger, so I think if if you were asking me right now, that's the guy that I would want the Bruins to get because I think he fits in to a similar kind of competitive mold of a mm-hmm. guy that you need. He's, he's another, I'm not, in this, I'm not saying he's Brad Marchand, but he's a similar type player to Marchand where I think he really competes and he produces and he, uh, you know, he wants to win. So I think that for me would be the guy to go after. Yeah. I, I, I if Patrice Bergeron retires, I, I am scared to death of what's going to happen. I, I don't know what they're going to do because if all those guys resign, which I think you're right, Malkin, I think, will, without a doubt. I think Trocek probably will, especially if they don't make it. He'll probably want to go another run with his guys. And then Giroux will probably stay there. You know, like he want, he kind of wanted to be there, so he might right. stay there too. So now, I mean, what, what, do you, what are the options? Like, it's just, it's really kind of scary. Like, like I, Andrew and Pop's I, probably going to get paid probably by the Rangers. Yeah. I mean, he's had a good he's had a good run with them. Like, there really aren't a lot of options. I think it would probably have to be somebody else's, you know, sloppy seconds or whatever. Right, like, it's going to have like, to be like a some malcontent or some some yeah. change of scenery guy, which is not right. a guarantee. No, like, I mean, you know, I don't know. I just if you if you're going change of scenery guy to me. And he's horrible right now defensively, and maybe the system would help. But is yeah, Mark Shifley, yeah, yeah from, Winni- from Winnipeg, because he's he he produces, so yeah. he'll put points up, and you know maybe in the within the Bruins culture they can get him to play some defense. Maybe not. Maybe he's fucking Ryan Spooner, and he's ten and two and all over the place, and and yeah. and just letting guys go in the offensive zone. But maybe the system and getting in this culture could change him a little bit. So. If you had to bite the bullet and go that route, you know, maybe you trade to Brask and somebody to Winnipeg and you can bring Shifley in and, and right. that solves your problem. But there aren't a lot of options. So at that point, I think you have to go for a guy like that who you know can be a top six forward. He's had some good years and you hope that he just turns it around a little bit. A culture takes a hit if Patrice Bergeron's not there. 100% does. So that's another thing. Like if he's a number one center and he's not great defensively, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I, I really am concerned and, uh, I hope they have something up their sleeve, but, uh, they got to move some money around too, to get a guy who's making big money. Cause you know, top centers make big money. They do. And they don't have a ton of it available. So mm-hmm. I don't know what happens. Uh, all right. Number five, how aggressive do you think the Bruins will be? And will there be a surprise player dealt? Do you think? I think, uh, they will not be very aggressive at all. Cause I think that's Sweeney's <laughs> nature. Yeah. to uh, kind of sit and wait and wait and wait and wait. Uh, he did it with the uh, Pittsburgh and the Jer- Jerome McGinley thing. I thought we had a deal, that whole bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like he, he just, 
That's not in his nature to be aggressive. He waits for the prices to come down and tries to nickel and dime around the edges, which is not what you need now, no. especially if Bergeron's gone. You need to make a bold fucking move and bring in somebody that can play. Right. You don't, you can't get, you know, it's the whole like two dimes for, you know, whatever, four quarters for a dollar thing. Right. Like trading Tyler Sagan, you got back four quarters and they were all terrible. Right. You know, they were all, right. they were all Canadian quarters instead right. of yeah, American. Four, four quarters don't equal a dollar. You're right. right. So you got back four bit pieces and, right. and got rid of the guy who could actually play. Right. So, I mean, Tyler Sagan would, you know, as, as much as he's, you know, maligned and he's had his ups and downs or whatever, but he'd look pretty good on the team he'd right be now. Great right now. Yeah. yeah. Be, you wouldn't have to right worry now. about who, who your top center was. You, no. cause you would have him. You'd have him. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, you'd have him. um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to, so I don't think, yeah, back to the original question. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be, they're not going to be aggressive and a surprise player dealt. I don't think so because, again, I don't think they, they make really any, many aggressive moves. I think it's going to be maybe DeBrusque goes, maybe doesn't go. Right. And right. then it's going to be one of probably Riley, you know, Grizzly. Yeah. One of those guys probably will go just because they, they re signed Zaboral. So, you would think that he's maybe going to slot in. He's a little cheaper. So right. you know, if you get rid of either, you know, Riley or Grizzly, you're saving, you know, between three and $4 million there probably. Do you think they try to, do you think they take a, see, I don't even think if Sagan was available, that it, that they'd even revisit it. Cause I don't think they, I don't think that obviously ended well. I don't think that no. was a, I don't think that was good at all. No. And I don't even think they'd revisit it. Even if Sagan was on the block for 50 cents on the dollar, I don't think they'd take him, to be honest. No, I don't enough. think so. I don't. I think yeah. there's there's too much water under the bridge there. It, yeah. it, and the way they shit on him and the behind the yeah. beat and like on, the, right. on his way out of town, like it, there's no way. Yeah. No yeah way. It's crazy. I mean, it, it's really crazy how that went down. Um, all right. Number six. Do the Bruins have no choice but to give Jax to Nicka? A lengthy chance with Berger, if Bergeron retires. Holy Christ! I mean, is this what we're is this where we're at? I mean, is this where uh, we're at? They do have a choice, and that is not it. I mean, I'd I, rather play. You know what? Else. I mean, maybe. I I mean, look. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he I hope he steps in and he's the second line center and he puts up you know fifty points and I'm sitting here you know sometime in November or December saying holy shit, you know it's yeah. like call a thing like well, yeah. well, wow. i mean i came out of nowhere yeah. and and he can play i hope i hope that's what it is yeah but i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's not gonna be what it is right and they're, gonna be, right. they're gonna be looking for a center um and sweeney said it in his postseason presser you know you can't replace a patrice bergeron it may take a few years which is not what you want to hear from your general manager when you're when your top center is possibly retiring it's going to take a few years why is that donald well yeah. it's because you drafted like an asshole right. and you don't have anybody in the pipeline right. to right. fill in that spot and obviously you don't think studnika is that guy because you said it may take a few years to find a replacement right so you don't think you have one in house right now if it takes if it's going to take a few years to replace him it almost seems as though in the last year here with with lysel and then with Merkulov, you know he he's getting guys who have dynamic skill. They're smaller, slighter, not great in their own zone, and all mm -hmm. of that. But they are dynamic, jump off the screen 
talent, skill, which he didn't really do in the past. Like he'd get a Frederick or a Stanika or a, you know, DeBrusque. Like he'd, he'd get guys who weren't that flashy. Pasternak was not a Sweeney pick. So you're looking at now, it almost looks like he's trying to get some skilled players, but who have faults, you know, so and who have a lot of room to grow. Well, and maybe he learned his, has learned his lesson maybe. from 15. Maybe. I mean, Stadnicka was a second-round pick, so let's not say he was a top-15 pick. He was a second-round pick. Right. Um, and he came in with some, you know, people thought that he'd be pretty good, and then he showed me absolutely zero in the time that he's been there, and he's getting into that, you know, three, four-year thing now where, you know, you, once you get to a certain amount of years at, at, at Providence, you become an afterthought. Like you either you can play or you can't, you know you, what I'm it's saying? It's 100% true. Brad Marchand started down there, but he was dynamic in right. Providence. Right. And then he came up here and he struggled on the fourth line a little bit. Yep. Uh, somebody got hurt, I believe, and they put him up with Bergeron and then he started right. producing. Right. And he right. hasn't stopped. Yeah. Crazy so, started there too, I believe too. In right. eight, so. it, yeah. yeah. And he was dynamic. It's yeah. like, He's if right you up. go down there, <laughs> Right. You have to be one of the best players on the team. You have to be. It's like, it's like the, the all the people like give Sunition a chance. He was playing fucking fourth line right. until like last yeah. year. I know. So if he's not playing on the top two lines and not scoring goals in the AHL, what makes you think that he's going to beat fucking Andre Vasilevsky at the right. NHL level? And, and all of a sudden he's going to put up, you know, 30 or 20 right. here. If he can't score 30 in the AHL, he's certainly not scoring 30 in the NHL. No, absolutely not. Loud. And there's still fans out there who say, bring up Loco, bring up Steen. Those guys are playing the third and fourth line in the NHL. <laughs> like, they're not even they're not even major contributors. Like, Jakob Loco is another guy. I've heard about him. Mm-hmm. Highly touted. Oh, my God. Wait till this guy comes. And he's nothing. He, he's nothing. He's another guy who we're going to hear about and hear about and hear about. And then he's finally dealt or he's gone. I mean, Sinishin was on the team, he was in the organization seven years, like mm-hmm. seven years. Anton Bleed's been in the, in the organization nine years, nine. Yeah. And yeah. I'm still hearing, got to give Bleed a chance. Got to give Bleed a chance. Not anymore. Fine. He's gone. <laughs> he's he's gone. gone. Especially yeah. after saying that he, that he hated yeah. his life. He's yeah. gone. You know, yeah. he's gone. See you later. Go find a spot. Somewhere. Yeah. Go play with Seattle with mm-hmm. Brian Donato. Um, all right. And then uh, finally, number seven. Could the assistants, the new assistant coaches, if there are some, give us an indication of who might place Cassidy because he was hired in 2016 to be Claude Julian's assistant and then replaced him. Uh, was it 16? Yeah. And then replaced them the next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there will be changes to the coaching staff. Yes, I think there will. Uh, I think you have. I see. I'm not a big. I love Mark Recchi. Here's another. Here's similar to the Neely situation. I'm going to separate the player from the coach. I I really don't want Mark Recchi here. He's he's failed a couple of times. Power play sucked when he coached it. I don't know if I want him to be the assistant coach at all. To be honest, I I am with you 100 percent on that. You know, a guy who I do want here though. Is Mark Savard? Yes, Mark Savard yes. is coaching right now. I believe in either the OHL or the WHL. Was he with the Spitfires? Yeah, yeah, with the Spitfires. Yeah, yeah. 
and he took them, uh, he's the head coach there and he took them yes. to, uh, the playoffs to the finals, I believe. Yeah. Um, and that's a guy who can play on the power play. He's sure. a dynamic playmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows his way around the offensive zone, maybe not so much the defensive zone, but if you want nope. to bring him in as a power play guy, offensive assistant, uh, yes, please do that. And he'd also help your centers, which there's a huge void there. So, so if he can help some playmaking center ability, that'd be nice. And then that to me, like, you know, you hire a guy with some head coaching experience. Maybe if Cassidy's here, you know, maybe, you know, maybe his, his, uh, his message is falling on deaf ears. Maybe it's Mark Savard. That replace. Yes. Yeah. So, and I think I would imagine they'd probably keep Chris Kelly. I think yeah. Sacco is probably the guy that would go if they. Yeah. I think Sacco would go. Um, Pandelfo already left. Oh, right? Kevin Dean. Kevin oh, Dean. Kevin is Dean. There. Yeah. He Kevin may Dean. go. He's been around too. a bit. Yeah. yeah. So those two could go and then maybe have Savard and somebody else uh, on there. All right. Maybe Time cold. again. Way yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 Maybe. Yeah. Um, all right. Time for win, lose, or draw again. This time it's go. the free agents in the Don Sweeney era. And we'll go through and say whether or not that was a winning signing, a losing signing, or didn't really mean a hell of beans. <laughs> all right. Uh, number one. The famous Matt Bolesky deal was a five-year deal for $3.8 million. It doesn't seem like a lot now, but it was a lot in 2015. Coming off a really good postseason with Anaheim. No other real pedigree behind that, but just the postseason alone. And this was a time when he was like the top. Maybe, I don't know if he was a top free agent, but he was had the biggest buzz around him. It was almost like the Bruins were trying to prove a point that they could go get a free agent. And Sweens was just hired as the general manager in 2015. So this is like a, I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a splash kind of signing. This is, this is his uh, Chara and Savard. Yeah, it, this is his Chara and Savard, and uh, it's not anywhere near that. No, <laughs> at all. Because no. Chara and Savard was organization changing. Right. Uh, Baleski was was not didn't change no. anything. No. No, that was a, bad, <laughs> that was a horrible, that was a horrible signing and a horrible contract that they had to uh, trade away. They had to yeah. get out from under that. And uh, yeah, not so yeah. hot. No, not so hot. Uh, Kevin Miller with a four-year deal in 2016 for 2.5. And Miller, that's a win because Miller provided a third pair, tough guy, fighter. There were times when Miller was really good. He was. He, I mean, was, he he couldn't stay he couldn't stay healthy because yeah. he was you know he played hard and he was physical and and you know did the fighting and and did some some of the intimidation stuff and the defensive zone stuff and and uh, yeah I would definitely call that a win that you know that's a that's a good that's a good solid defenseman for uh, pretty short money. Yeah, it was, and he when he got hurt and came back, he would he would not play great. Like he was a guy who had to shake the rust off like any physical defenseman does. Um, you see that with Carlo sometimes he has to shake the rust off, but when he was in a rhythm and playing well, he was pretty good. He wasn't, he wasn't bad at all. All right. Tim Schaller, fourth liner signed a, a one year, uh, 600 grand. And I think he signed again another year after that. And Schaller was actually decent. He was. He had he had a couple of uh, pretty good years for the Bruins, and 
And, uh, I think he priced himself out of here, which, you know, that means it was a good signing. If he, right. he produced and, and got more money somewhere else, that means he was playing well here. I think you're, you're seeing that with Curtis Lazar. I mean, that's, yeah. he's going to price himself out, mm-hmm. which is good. It was a good trade. It was a good acquisition. And now he, he moves on. Um, all right. How about, uh, how about Par Lindholm? <laughs> Par signed in 2019 at uh, two years for eight eight fifty. Yeah, I mean that's a drive. He, take it or leave it. He didn't do much at all. No, I mean I you, feel like he didn't do much at all. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not necessarily saying it's an L because I think he might have penalty killed a little bit. And, yeah, and he was fine. Like he didn't. Right. It's not like eight fifty is breaking the bank or anything. So it's no. like it's like having a bleed or a steen or someone. You know, sure. it's the same fucking difference bleed or steed um how about dominic moore dominic moore in 2016-17 played 82 games with the bruins and how about this he had 11 goals 14 assists and uh had an assist in six playoff games what was actually decent i mean he was a, a fourth liner yeah, he's 11 a goals time. One won some face-offs, you know, 11 goals. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Good vet. That's a, that's a win. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Riley Nash was uh, was a signing for the for the Bees back in, uh, was it 2016-17? Spent two years with the team. Ended up with 22 total goals. Uh, his second year with the team was pretty good. 15 goals, 26 assists. He also uh, played in 15 playoff games with the Bruins and had three points total. But Nash was another good. Yeah, I mean, 15 goals, 26 assists from a bottom. I mean, he yeah. I don't making believe 900 he, grand. I, mean, I, don't, I don't believe he played top six minutes. No, so, I mean, he may have filled in here and there, maybe one game as a second line center or something, but, but for yeah, the most he was, part, he was down the, down the yeah, primarily third line guy. So, yeah, I mean, 40, four, what is that? 41 points out of your third line. Yeah, center. for 900 k Absolutely, it's a it's a win. Yeah, uh, Brett Ritchie scored his first goal opening night at Dallas. Remember that? And then, I do. and then was uh, absolute shysterville. He had two goals in twenty seven games in a minus three, and then ended up at Providence. Played twelve games for Providence because they they actually sent him through waivers, I believe, and he didn't because uh, he just sucked mm-hmm. so bad. He was worse than his brother, which is. You know, hard to do. Um, <laughs> Joachim Nordstrom. Joachim, a million bucks, two-year deal. You know, he was like Lindholm. I mean, Lindstrom, rather. Well, well Par Lindholm. Par Lindholm, yeah. yeah. Same guy. He was... Uh, same guy. Know, same guy. <laughs> same guy. 70 games, seven goals, five assists. In the playoffs, he had three three goals in the run to the uh, cup final in 18 okay. Three goals I mean, in that playoff. Well, he actually played I mean, pretty well. Yeah, you got to raise him up a little bit, I guess. Yeah, and then the next next year he had forty eight games and was you know a minus six, four goals, and teetered off into uh, the abyss. Um, and then again, and then they get to this year. Thomas Nosek was a uh, two year deal. They'll have him again at one point seven five. Um, yeah, I Eric think that was exciting. I think uh, I think the Nosek was a good signing, even though he really, really struggled to produce the second half of the year. Um, he was really good for them early in the, early in the season. I thought he was one of their best forwards early in the season, um, and and was right. producing a little bit. So uh, at one point seven five to me, that's 
that's not right. that's not really that bad and he's he's a pretty reliable two-way player yeah um john moore five years <laughs> 2.75. I mean, that's an all-timer. That's an all-time. That's two L's. If we're going multiple wins in the <laughs> yeah. trades, that's yeah. a that's two L's. Yeah, that's a that's a multiple L. And right I'm there. not even saying that Sean Moore's not I mean, he's not terrible. I mean, you throw him in there, he gets hurt all the time. If you throw him in there a little bit, he's kind of like Camphrey. You throw him in there for a couple of games, he's okay. You know, he 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 plugs the hole. You just can't overuse him. But for that amount of money. In those years, it's just ungodly. Well, that's that's the thing is like, why on earth are you giving that guy a five year deal? Oh my! I mean, why you would? know, you know, he's hurt all the time. You yeah. he you're you're basically getting him as a depth guy. What right. the fuck are you doing? I know. Bro? Five five. Ooh. I mean, four years ago he signs this deal. Four years ago he's making about as much money as Mike Riley and Derek Forbert do now. Yeah, four years ago. So you thought? So you thought? John Moore was going to be, yeah, you thought he was going to be. That's what you thought. He did. He did. You're like, wait till this guy arrives. You thought he was going to be, you know, Matt Grizzlick. You thought he was going to be something special. That's what you thought. If you sign him to a five-year contract, you're like, we got something here in this guy. I mean, you, you, you may, you, (laughs) you are basically saying we're going to, I mean, you don't have to give him five years because I don't think anyone's clamoring. No. To give him two years, to be no. quite honest with you. So you give him five. Um, not as not, I mean, they also gave five to David Backus, six, six mil. And that was another Bolesky type of case where he was a top free agent, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he was, you thought that, and I think as a player in his prime, he is a good Bruin. Like, but he wasn't in his prime. Yeah. And he gave him six million bucks a year for five years, and it ends up having to get rid of a first round pick just to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So that was, and I like what Basket brought, Bacchus brought to the table, similar to Felino. Mm-hmm. You know, I like what he brings to the table with the intangibles, but the tangibles <laughs> blow for both for both players. <laughs> for both of them, I mean, they're the carbon copy. Yeah, I mean, Felino makes a little makes less money. That's the only less, difference. Less money, less years. Yes. Yeah. That's the only difference. It's the it's the same mistake again mm-hmm. with trying to come up with a guy who will grind and for you know that's what I mean about they try to go a different direction and then they come back to this. I don't know if they listen to the fans or they listen to the media or they just don't want to lose their identity completely. But they've missed on like every single one of these rugged forward types. Well, that they it's think because they go too old, right? Right. They're not going for the Blake Coleman's or the right. you know other guys that are of a similar ilk to that. They're right. going older. They're going to like guys of Bergeron's age mm. who have a lot of miles on them at this point. Like that doesn't work. No. You have to get the guys in the prime, the 27, 28 year old guys that are the you know that can skate and hit and so forth. And score yeah. a little bit, you know. Yeah. You're trying to get a catch a guy on the way up, not the way down. Like they're paying for past performance. Like Belichick always talked about that. Like we don't want to pay for past performance. We want to pay for what you're going to do in the future. Right. That that's and, that. Yeah, and that's what the Patriots do well, and the Bruins have not figured out. No, no. Um, Craig Smith was a pretty good deal. I mean, that's, that's still a good deal. Three, mm-hmm. three years, three point one. 
yeah. at the time, a really good deal. Like the guy was a yeah. productive player and to take that kind of money and it softened, it softened Krug leaving a little, like at least they, sh- it showed that they're going to go out and, and make a really good signing. And it almost looked like, okay, here's the plan. Like I'm going to go get a right wing, pretty good right wing. We'll play second or third line yep. score, you know, 18, 20 goals, you know, and it almost softened the Krug thing a little bit. It was timely in that way. But uh, last year, I thought you saw, again, here's a guy, I think, where some of the some of the uh, shine's coming off the armor. Well, yeah, but even even after all the shine comes off, this year he had 16 goals, 3.1 million. Right, right. I mean, less, than, less than Felino. Yeah. 16 right. goals. Still pretty good for the value. Right. Yeah. So. It is. Even even though he had a terrible year by everybody's account, still right. sixteen goals at three point one. Like, I'll take that terrible year. You want to give me, you know, you want to give me Mike Riley sixteen right. goals at three, three point one, no. or right. Grizzly sixteen sixteen goals at three point seven five or whatever he's making. You want to give Felino sixteen goals at three point eight? Then now we're talking. We got a bunch yeah. of guys with sixteen goals. So right. him even though he had a bad year really wasn't that bad for, for the, you know, the amount of money that he was being paid. Right. And it's very true. Um, looking down the rest of the list, Tommy cross makes this list three times. They, they signed him as a UFA three different times, 600, 600 K. Uh, Tommy cross, you talk about John Michael Isles. Tommy cross was older than John Michael Isles. I think, I mean, I think yeah. he played for BU in like 1980. Yeah. He was on, yeah, like, he was on BC. Yeah. But BC, yeah, yeah whoever it was. BC. Yeah. He was a captain, I think, of BC way back yeah. in the day. Yeah, he's still, yeah, he was, even recently was still kicking around the organization at like 39 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, uh, Brent, uh, Bender's poll time. We had two polls. Um, the first poll I put out was, should the Bruins fire Bruce Cassidy? And then there was so much, so many people tweeting, please do Sweeney. That I had to do, so we went after. So we'll start with uh, with Cassidy, and there were two hundred and sixteen votes. Eighty two percent said no, and eighteen percent said yes. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't fire Cassidy. Like I said, I would make some changes to some of his staff. I think that would maybe help freshen things up a little bit. I think he's still a really good coach. You know, six years. Uh, 650 point percentage, you know, only one or two guys. I think that's done that. So, um, you know, until they start really falling off, I, I don't think you make a change there. I mean, he's, he's getting them to the playoffs. You know, I, I think they have some flaws. So I, I think like the whole, Oh, he's not really doing anything in the playoffs thing is a little, you know, not, not really fair to him kind of. Um, okay. Right. You know, it depends on goal. It depends on a lot of things: goaltending, matchups, you know, injuries, so forth. Uh, so I think I think he's a good coach. So I would I would keep him around and maybe make some changes on the staff. Yeah, and I think that if they come out of the gate slow next year, I think he might be gone. Yeah, this 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 is lining up like the Julian thing, mm-hmm. where they say a little bit about. You know, we didn't play a certain way. Kind of, kind of shook out like Julian did, and then by, you know, whatever it was, a couple of months or whatever it was into that season, Cassidy became the coach. 
and then it was, you know, the rest was history. Um, Neely says something about we have to change the way we coach is almost like the precursor to, you know, this can't go anywhere but north or where or you're gone. So I think it's thrown out there. And I think any and that puts a lot of pressure on Cassidy to not start. You know, you can't start three, six and one. You know, it's and you might not have a a legitimate top six center. Right. Well, uh, that's the thing is like they're setting them up to fail almost. I I mean, I wonder if that's really what they're what the whole thing is like. Oh, yeah, we're bringing we're bringing Donnie's back. Donnie's coming back. Donnie. Yeah. Donnie. Donnie. Yeah. But uh, we're going to set Sweeney up to fail because Bergeron's going to retire and we're going to have our top two centers are going to be Eric Hall and Charlie Coyle. Right, right. So it's almost like a, yeah, you're right. It's almost like a setup to fail. Do you think the Neely Sweeney thing is an issue when it comes to, you know, the friendship and the relationship there? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. 100% is. Yeah. I think it would have to be. It's odd. It's odd to take care of. Teammate. They played together on teams that played for the Stanley Cup. Right, they're buddies. Like, yeah, they're buddies. Yeah. It, it, like it, that whole that whole thing in coaching, I think, um, is a problem, and it it goes through all sports. Like Belichick has his kid, more than one kid, on you know, the defensive coordinator, de facto defensive coordinator, but they have another guy there because his kid can't talk to the full team in a meeting. So they have to have somebody else do it. Right. Why is your kid the fucking defensive coordinator if he can't talk to the whole fucking team? It's a, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's like, yeah, it's it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of. It's crazy. And then he's got his other kid who's like just out of college coaching the safeties. Oh, we can't let Devin McCourty go because he's the one who really coaches the safeties because right. he's the one who really knows what's happening right. in the room and can actually talk to the other players and relate right. to them and so forth. Right. This kid doesn't have a fucking clue, but right. he's my kid. So let's give him a chance right. to do something. And so, I think that that's, that's yeah, that's like the Bruins have done that forever. Like they yeah. kept it really close to the best. They've had seven presidents since 1924, seven. Mm-hmm. They've had four GMs in the last 40 years. And they're all Peter Shirelli is the only guy from outside. It was Mike O'Connell who played for them. Mm-hmm. It's Harry Sinden who's been there, coach, GM, president yep. forever. forever. And it's and it's Sweeney who played for them. And it's Neely who played for them. Like it's a it's almost cultish mm-hmm. what what they do with the Bruins. And it's all based on get me the profit and you're fine. So get me the playoff gates enough to make the big profit and you're fine. And I'm not going to change it. And do anything drastic if you just do that for me. And anything else is gravy, you know? So Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this for years and years and years. Obviously not on the podcast because we didn't right. have it a long time ago. But, um, right. yeah, we've been talking about the Sendin Jacobs right. thing forever. And how, uh, you know, it own, it's ownership down. And the commitment to winning, uh, especially, you know, when Bork was here and, and Neely and Middleton and some of those you know, teams in the, in the late eighties and early nineties, like they could have used a little more help at the deadline. More. They, yeah. They didn't have a commitment to winning. They had no. a commitment to earning playoff gates and playoff money right. and lining the owner's pockets. And it right. really was not about winning the cup because no. if it was, they would have given Bork and, and those, those guys and those teams more help. 
against, you know, the juggernaut that was the Oilers. So, um, you know, until ownership changes, uh, I don't think you'll ever see any kind of big shakeups within that structure. So, um, you know, unfortunately, that's the way it's going to be, I think, for a while. The good thing is, though, is that they do now. It's almost like the salary cap was a good was good for the team it because was. because they can they spend to the cap and they mm-hmm. figured out how to make a profit doing it, and that's fine. So that that's not a hindrance. Back in the late eighties, there's no cap, and they just don't get a guy. Like they just don't get a guy that they need. Like they could have beaten the Edmonton Oilers in nineteen ninety. In eighty eight, they were a wagon, and they they could never beat that team. But in nineteen ninety. You know, Peter Klima scores a goal. They score. They win that game. Might be different, but if they have an extra, another guy who could score goals, another good player, they could have beaten the, you know them in 1990. Yeah, but they I, just I, didn't. You know, there were other times where they could have. In 1992, they had they were they won the President's Trophy, lost to Buffalo in the first round, like, mm-hmm. and they could have. You know, Neely's hurt. They could have gone out and got a guy to not going to get a guy to replace him, but a guy that could take some of that take some of that production. Yeah. Add they some depth. They didn't yeah. have, they didn't, they never had any depth. They never had any, they those never teams had any were, were top heavy. Yeah, they were. And it's, and, uh, they, were, and they, they also had the Bork rule. No one get makes more than Ray. Right. 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 Well, that's makes it hard. Yeah. You know, it, it does. It does make it hard. Uh, and then the other poll was, uh, should the Bruins fire Don Sweeney in 129 votes? And uh, 78% said yes. And 22% said no. I think I voted um, yes no. on multiple platforms. <laughs> I think I, uh, yeah, well, multiple I devices. I, yeah. I, I, I created extra Twitter accounts. To vote. <laughs> <laughs> I, I voted. I voted no, and then I I put on the put underneath. I pulled the trigger too quick. I I meant to oh, vote. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. You were one of the first votes, and you texted me. You were like, "Oh shit, I, I voted no." I voted the wrong way. <laughs> I thought it was oh, no. the I thought it was the Cassidy one, right? And I didn't I didn't read the full tweet, and I was like, "Oh fuck." Well, about you know about I don't know what is that about thirty people, twenty eight to thirty people said no. So that was that was somewhat surprising. I mean, Don Sweeney has not done a terrible job. We've mentioned the resignings. We mentioned the trades lately. The last six out of eight trades, or whatever he's won. Mm-hmm. a couple of slam dunk fantastic trades mm-hmm. um but the drafting not great the freaking sedition thing i can't i can't get over it and people keep saying let's let's move on i still can't get over it because i i don't know how you could be that stupid like i don't know how you could be that stupid without trying to be the smartest guy in the room it's the only reason why i think you draft them i mean there's yeah. literally five other guys yeah, I, I mean, all you had to do is literally follow what Central Scouting said, and you would have right. you would have ended up with an All Star caliber player right. in, in that draft, or right. or two or three, honestly. Right. Yeah, you, I mean, you all you had to do was follow Central Scouting, and you and you didn't because you wanted to get a Bruins type guy, and now he's going for the smaller skilled guys, and it's like, oh, Fabian Lysel is pretty good. Like he might, you might have something there. Well, where was that in 2015 when the guy was Matt Barzal right. or when Alex DeBrickett was on the board and you took some other fucking clown? Like, where, right. like, where was that then? Right. Because if if that was the case, then you wouldn't have the same problems you have now with replacing some scoring or, you know, secondary scoring issues because you'd have guys to fill those roles now right. if you if you had drafted better in those drafts. I think that was, was that Frederick? Was that 16? 
to break uh, it? I'm not 100 percent sure. It, it might have been. I think. It um, been. But yeah, I, yeah, and and I don't. They 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 seem to to leave guys on the board who who most analysts say this is this is the guy, and they go in a different direction. And I don't mm-hmm. know if I don't know what the philosophy is. And then the whole Canadian player thing, like Bergeron leaves, they're going for, further and further away from Canadian players. I don't I don't know what the problem is. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. It's just Ontario Hockey League. They just don't get the guys. They just don't want any of those guys. And I don't understand. They must have gotten burned by somebody at some point. I don't know. So, something's up there because it, it's too much. It's not a coincidence. It can't be. It can't it's be. Just too, too, many, too many the other way. Um, all right. Go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Brenders merchandise. Get a hoodie. Get a, a T-shirt uh, to roam around on the beach this summer. Uh, follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. The Ruins Benders podcast is on YouTube. Download the Inside the Rink app. It now has a cool feature where it has everyone's salary cap situation, all teams from the league. And it's a really great resource if you're trying to do some trades in your head or thinking about what uh, your team should do in the offseason. So that's a really cool feature. Coming up July 7th and 8th is the NHL draft. And we will be... Uh, you know, bookmarking that and seeing, uh, doing some analysis for the draft with no first round pick. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> so who are they going to get at 58 again or whatever the hell it is? Probably a guy who's ranked 127. Yeah. But, this guy, but I'll tell you what, six years from now, this guy's going to be a player. <laughs> you sure about that? <laughs> six years from now, after he goes to Ferris State for four years. Yeah. You know, absolutely. When he goes back to six. Doesn't do anything in the AHL for two years. <laughs> right. Bring him up. Should, should, gonna should be awesome. Yeah, Absolutely. he's going to go from, from you know, five goals at Ferris State to 20 in the AHL and 50 at the NHL. Yeah, level. I mean, that's that's a, that that's what happens. I mean, yeah, that's typically, the, typically that's, that's, the ratio. that's a development uh, curve. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, hey, good news before we leave. This past episode, episode 35 last week, the uh, most downloads – of all episodes ever, we just surpassed the record. So more downloads last week's episode than any we've had so far. So, so people are super, super happy to listen to our uh, the season being over. They're like, oh, yeah. they did that. That and the uh, the win, loser, draw is a big hit. I think. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> the get, get these guys out of here. <laughs> so yeah, like, was, you know, everybody was happy that it was over. <laughs> like, get rid of these guys. Yeah, just yeah. Hey, everybody, crowd around the phone. Listen to this. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh, hey, let's do it again next week. Uh, Sounds ha- good. Have, a, have a great week, everybody. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.